Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and I'm the pastor at Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi, and we would love to invite you to come worship with us on Sunday mornings if you happen to be in the area in North Mississippi or a local Primitive Baptist Church if you are not in North Mississippi. At Macedonia Church, we're on 11th State and Road outside of Ackerman, Mississippi, and then Sulphur Springs Church that we partner with in this ministry is on Wolf Road outside of Caledonia, Mississippi. And then we also have a Wednesday night meeting in Starkville, Mississippi, every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. So we would love for you to come out and worship with us, and we direct you to our website as well, gospel-of-grace.com. You can get caught up on past messages and subscribe to a podcast, but you can also find a church that may be closer to you if you're not in the North Mississippi area. We would love to hear from you if you enjoy our program and to know that you're listening and to help you out with any questions or encouragement that we can offer to you. You can find our contact information on our website as well, gospel-of-grace.com. And also you can go to Macedonia's website, macedonia-pbc.org. We have a lot of content on there and also past sermon series from the radio program and from our regular Sunday sermons as well. Today we'd like to continue our series on spiritual warfare. And this morning we'd like to focus on some of the characteristics of Satan, of the devil. He is our adversary and for us to be successful in this warfare, we need to know something about our enemy. So we want to try to consider that this morning. I hope you can stay with us and God will bless our consideration of his word during the program this morning.
Good morning again, and we're very glad to have you stay tuned with us here on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you, and during my time on the program, we've been trying to consider spiritual warfare and the spiritual challenges that we are engaged in every day and the spiritual realm that we cannot see around us, the angels and the devils and Satan and all of the spiritual world that's going on all around us that we are not privy to. And this morning, we want to begin to focus a little bit of a scouting report, if you will, on our enemies. If we're going to be successful in warfare, then we need to know who our enemies are. We need to know what their tactics are. We need to know what their background is. And especially, we need to know what their common devices are. That word is used many times in the New Testament that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We need to know what his common attack plans are, and we hope to be able to consider that further as we go through this series. But we need to know what Satan's tactics are to deceive God's people. But to know more about Satan's tactics, we need to know more about Satan himself. And I don't want to give Satan too much attention but we need to know who our enemy is. So we want to focus on the devil this morning, and then we want to go through some of our other enemies that are all on Satan's side, if you will. The enemies that we struggle with in the spiritual warfare every day. We have the devil, but then we have other devils and unclean spirits that tempt us and challenge us here in this world. We have this depiction in the book of Revelation of the beast of worldwide government that persecutes God's people. We have the world, which is also depicted in the book of Revelation by the Babylonian harlot. We have the flesh. That's our internal struggle. So we have all these enemies in this warfare that are trying to attack us and trying to deplete us from fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. And we need to know about those enemies. So we want to examine those for a little bit, have a little bit of a scouting report, if you will, on our enemies. Then we want to focus in some later messages on the tactics and the devices of Satan that God can use against us. And then ultimately, what are our defenses? Praise God. This is a very difficult warfare that we're in every day, but praise God, we have been given weapons that are mighty through God, and we can conquer the devices of Satan by putting on the whole armor of God and fighting well against his tactics. So we need to know who our enemies are, right? And for us to be able to fight well against them, we need to have a good scouting report. So this morning, and probably one more message, uh, we want to focus particularly on the devil, focus on Satan. And we need to know about him because he is our adversary. He is trying to destroy us every single day. And I cannot sugarcoat that. I can't water it down anymore. Satan is trying, as it says very clearly, that Satan is as a roaring lion trying to devour God's people every single day. And I'll tell you, he is much more relentless in his attacks against the church, unfortunately, than many times we are in our attacks against him. So he never lets up. Satan never lets up. And we need to be ready for his devices. We need to be ready for his attacks. And one of the best ways to do that is to understand who our enemy is. So we've spent some time in the book of Revelation trying to see who our true enemy is. And we've 
seen from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 that our true enemy is not flesh and blood. Our true enemy is not the person that's standing against us, such as the church in Smyrna. Their true enemy was not the person that was condemning them to a jail sentence. No, it says that the devil will cast you into prison. Their true enemy was Satan. Their true enemy was the devil. And Satan is working in this world through so many different avenues, working through the unregenerate, working through deceiving God's children. We know that Peter during a period of time was deceived by Satan to try to thwart and detract from the pathway of Jesus to die for our sins on the cross. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, it's a child of God that's being deceived and influenced by Satan to try to tear down the church and try to tear down God's people. And we need to know that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is not that sole person. No, there is a very sinister, wicked force in this world that wants nothing more than to devour and to destroy God's people. And that is who our true enemy is. And that enemy is Satan. Again, just like that church at Smyrna and Pergamos, they were dealing with the synagogue of Satan and, and Satan was going to throw them in prison. Now that was happening through flesh and blood men, but their enemy was Satan. We need to just understand this reality today. Our enemy is Satan and we have to be ready to withstand the attacks of Satan. We've already considered in previous messages in Revelation chapter 12, seeing Satan depicted as this great dragon. It says in Revelation 12 and in verse 9, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. And remember, we were introduced to this dragon back in verse 3 of chapter 12. There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. So Satan is in, as we're going to see in a later message, he's in control of, at this time, of the Roman Empire, these worldwide kingdoms. He has this authority and this power in the world. He is called the prince of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's even called the god of this world. He has great influence in the wicked devices of this world. And Satan here is introduced as a dragon. And he's a fire-breathing dragon. But I want us to understand, we'll probably focus on this in a later message, but Satan is not a scaly, red, play-like animal with a pitchfork and a pointed tail. Satan, it says in the New Testament, he even transforms himself from time to time into an angel of light, okay? So we have this depiction of Satan as a dragon, but I want you to understand that's figurative, okay? Satan does not tempt us as a dragon. No, he's, he tempts us as the strange woman, right? He tempts us as graven images. He tempts us as all of these things in this world to deceive us and to make us not understand that this is Satan that's tempting us, okay? So we have this depiction of this vicious dragon who's trying to destroy the man-child, God protects the man-child, and then Satan is cast down on the cross. But it, he's introduced here, Satan is introduced, 
as that old serpent, so that takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? Called the devil and Satan. Now, the word devil there comes from the Greek word diablos. You may have heard diablo, diablos, and that literally means devil. And that means a false accuser or a slanderer. So he's introduced in the next verse in Revelation 12 and 10 as the accuser of the brethren. So his name devil means that he's an accuser. He's our adversary and he falsely accuses us. And notice the devil is the father of lies. John chapter eight and verse 44, he is the father of lies and he accuses God's children. Also, his name is Satan. Now that comes primarily from the Old Testament Hebrew, Sawton, S-A-W-T-A-W-N, and that was transliterated as Satan. And that word means an accuser or an adversary. So he is our adversary, okay? Satan is our accuser, he is our adversary, and he is attempting to, as it says here in Revelation 12, he is attempting to destroy Jesus first of all, now he's trying to destroy the church. He's trying to consume the woman that's depicting the church. He was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed and those that had the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the devil and Satan is trying to destroy God's people and God's children here in this world. And that is what Satan has been trying to do since the Garden of Eden. Okay. Now, we want to go to, first of all, Isaiah 14, and then Ezekiel 28, and then make our way to Genesis chapter 3 to look at the origin of Satan, okay? So, as we're trying to have this scouting report of the devil, so we know his tactics to where we can safely defend against them in this warfare, we need to know where he came from, right? We need to know his background, so we would like to go to Isaiah chapter 14 as we are introduced to Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell and to the sides of the pit. So we introduced here to Lucifer, and the word Lucifer literally means day star. Now that's what we're told in the New Testament that Jesus is the, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. And the fact of the matter is that Lucifer desires to be God, okay? Satan has always desired to overthrow the throne of God and to set himself up as God himself. I mean, think about Satan and the way that he has structured his kingdom of darkness, if you will. He is just a fabrication of what God is. We're told that the spirit of Antichrist already is in the world. It's already working. And literally, Antichrist is the opposite of Christ. And that is what the kingdom of Satan is. That's what the kingdom of darkness is. It is literally exactly opposing God, exactly opposing Christ. Think about quite a few examples of this. First of all, 
God exists in the form of a trinity, three persons, but yet one. Satan has his own unholy trinity of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. God has a son who came into the world to manifest the goodness of God to the world. Well, there's going to come a time where the man of sin is called the son of perdition at the end of time, and the son of Satan, if you will, who gives him that authority. Satan gives the man of sin that authority. The son of perdition will come into this world. Satan tries to have his own son. We see that when Jesus came into the world the first time, he had a prophet that announced his arrival. John the Baptist, right? Well, his own man of sin, his son, if you will, he sends a prophet to announce his arrival, which is the false prophet that we see in the book of Revelation. We have this beautiful picture of, of Christ loving a bride and the purity of this pure white bride. Well, Satan has a woman too, but it's not a pure white bride. Instead, what is Satan's woman? It's a Babylonian harlot right? God has a city, a city that's Jerusalem. But what is Satan's city? It's Babylon. It's the wicked Babylon. We see the depiction of Jesus becoming a man described as the mystery of godliness. We find in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the mystery of iniquity already works. So the mystery of godliness versus the mystery of iniquity, okay? Satan is described as being the father of sin. Well, God's the father of righteousness, right? Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and Satan is as a roaring lion. Now, sometimes we give Satan a little bit too much credit. He's not a roaring lion. He just appears as a roaring lion. Why? Because he's trying to imitate the lion of the tribe of Judah, okay? So we find here back from the origin of Satan that essentially he desired to be God. He desired to exalt himself above the earth to have a higher position of authority than just being the anointed cherub over earth. We'll come back to Isaiah chapter 14 there in just a minute. Let's go to Ezekiel 28. In Ezekiel 28, we have this prophecy of the king of Tyrus, but we find out very quickly that this is not talking about solely a natural man. Now, we know there's going to come a time at the end of time that the man of sin will be almost the embodiment of Satan here in this world. Satan is the father of sin, and now he's going to have a man that does nothing but sin, the man of sin. Now, this king of Tyrus, as a natural man, he must have been a really bad man, right? For the Holy Spirit to compare a natural man to Satan. But this man that's described here as the king of Tyrus, it can't solely be talking about a natural king, right? Because it says in verse 13 of Ezekiel 28, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Okay, so this is talking about Satan. It's talking about the serpent that was in the garden. Ezekiel 28, beginning in verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, ox, jasper, sapphire. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect 
in all thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. So here we are introduced to Lucifer, the day star, as the anointed cherub that covereth. And it appears that Lucifer was arguably one of the most beautiful of the angels, and God gave Lucifer some degree of authority over the earth, okay? So first of all, sometimes people say, in questioning, not understanding why things happen the way they do in this world, they question, why did God make the devil? Okay, well, first of all, we need to understand God didn't make the devil. God didn't make the devil. God made the angel Lucifer that, as it says in verse 15, was perfect in all of his ways. He was beautiful. God made a perfect Lucifer, a perfect angel, but that angel decided to rebel because of pride. This was a beautiful angel, and it appears that God gave this angel the authority over the earth, but the role of angels are to minister unto the heirs of God. The roles of angels are to minister to God's people. As it says of the fallen angels that apparently followed Lucifer in this rebellion, it says that they were not happy or they did not keep their first estate. So what was the first estate of these angels? It was to minister to man. So Lucifer was given this authority over earth, and we don't know the time period between the conclusion of creation on the sixth day, God rested on the Sabbath, the conclusion of, of creation in Genesis 2, and then the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. It probably wasn't the next day. But at some point in those two times, Satan and Lucifer rebelled against God. So it's almost as if Lucifer was put in control of the earth, and then he was told, he was demoted, if you will, that he was now going to serve man when man was created on the sixth day. And he hated the idea that he would serve man so much that he desired to corrupt man so he would get back control over the earth. Now, what caused all this? Pride. You see, the pride of Satan is what caused this. He had this amazing beauty, this covering cherub, and he was beautiful in all of his ways. And he had great wisdom, by the way. But unfortunately, he fell. And now Lucifer uses that great wisdom, not in a godly way, but he uses that great wisdom to try to deceive God's people through the wiles of the devil. You see, he has great wisdom and he uses that wisdom to try to deceive God's people. But we see here that Lucifer was this anointed cherub. He was put over authority of the earth and it appears that he became very prideful and very jealous when God made man. And notice, God gave man the dominion over the earth. Okay, so Lucifer is now supposed to be a servant to man and he gave man dominion over the earth. But Lucifer, first of all, wanted to be ruler of the earth and now he's been demoted. But ultimately, he wanted to overthrow God. He wanted to take the throne of God in heaven. So he rebels against God. And now his goal after this rebellion, he says in verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. In other words, he was not content 
with his dwelling place on the earth, he desired to ascend to be God. And that's what we need to understand. That's why Satan wants to destroy the kingdom of God and why he desired to destroy the Son of God is because he wants to be God. He wants to overthrow the throne of God in heaven. But isn't it great to know that he has been cast down and he has no authority to go into heaven and no ability to overthrow the throne of God in heaven. That's his ultimate desire, but now he's been defeated, he's been crushed, but his desire is to overthrow God, but Satan is always a loser. <laughs> Don't forget that. Don't forget that Satan is always a loser. And we're told if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. One of the ways we resist him is to remind him, Satan, you are a loser because God has defeated you. Your desire is to overthrow God, but no one will overthrow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you are a defeated foe that is going to be totally destroyed at the end of time. And we overcome you even now by the blood of the Lamb. So now let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And at some point between Lucifer being created perfect in this beautiful anointed cherub prior to Genesis chapter 2, now Lucifer has rebelled against God and he is showing up in the garden as a serpent. And it says the, ser the serpent was more subtle, more crafty, more deceptive, more cunning than every beast of the field. Now, Satan is always trying to destroy and challenge God's word. And we'll have to come back due to time constraints and look at this more in depth. But essentially, Satan is the father of lies, right? Satan is the father of lies and he lies to Eve and corrupts God's word. But then Eve is deceived, Adam partakes of the fruit, mankind falls into sin. Now Satan thinks that he's won. You see, he wanted control over the earth. He knew that God said, if you eat this, you're gonna die. If they die, I'll have back control over the earth and now I can continue my goal to try to overthrow God. But at a minimum, I'm not gonna have to serve as a ministering servant, as an angel. I'm not gonna have to serve these men, no. God said they're gonna die. If I can get them to do this, they're gonna die. They're gonna die and I'm gonna take earth back over. <laughs> that was Satan's plan. That was Satan's scheme, right? It's to kill man so he can take back over authority over the earth. But even when Satan thought that he had defeated man, boy, isn't it good that God reminds him even after what he thought was probably his most significant victory, God reminds Satan that I'm gonna have a son that's gonna come and he is gonna crush your head. This messianic prophecy in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. In other words, my son is coming, you serpent, you Lucifer, and he's going to come and he's going to crush your head. So even when Satan thought that he had won. Satan thought that he had defeated man. No, he said, actually, I am, as God always does, overcoming the wickedness of Satan with good. He's overcoming that, and he's telling him, I'm going to have one come that's going to save them from this death that you tempted them to plunge into. He's going to save them from death, and while he saves them from death, he's going to crush your head as well. So let's never forget that Satan is a defeated foe and he roars and talks a big game here in time. 
but he is a loser that has been crushed, that has been defeated by the heel of the Son of God, and we were standing right there with Christ as he was defeated, so therefore we can stand in victory with Jesus Christ as more than conquerors, and to put our heel back on Satan's head, to resist him and tell him that you are a defeated foe. But even though he's defeated, we do not need to underestimate him in this warfare, and we want to further examine the tactics of Satan so we are appropriately prepared when those inevitable onslaughts from Satan and the devil come in our life. So we hope to continue these thoughts in a future message, and we hope that you can come and return with us as we consider that at a later date. Until that time, we pray the Lord will bless you. Remember, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He's a defeated foe because of the work of Jesus on the cross, and we have victory over Satan through Jesus Christ, through the word of his testimony, and through the fully equipped armor of God. May God bless you this morning. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.